Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I'm very excited that you guys are here with us today. We're talking about something incredibly important today, which is money. I think every entrepreneur that I know is in some way, shape, or form trying to make more money, save more money, understand money. So this show is super relevant. Before we get to our amazing guest, you guys know who he is. The man that doesn't even need an introduction, but I'm going to give him an introduction anyway. The one, the only, the bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, Mr. Dean Holland. Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah. If these intros are going to be this good, I'm getting like a smoke machine fitted in my room here. Like I, I just want to walk in, not just riding a horse. I want to come through a cloud of fog as I approach the microphone. <laughs> I think that would be amazing. We really need to turn this into like a video podcast so right. everybody can see you. Because I th- I don't know, Dean. I think there are, are listeners who don't believe that you actually ride in on a horse. I I think one person said that one time. And, and yeah. boy, do they look a fool. I know, really. It really rattled me. I was like, what? Of course he rides into the studio right? of on course. a horse. Why wouldn't what I? You, what do they think this is? Just like we're making this stuff up? I don't know. This isn't amateur hour. No, it's not amateur hour. It is just the tips. Yeah, it's just the tips. Well, speaking of not amateur hour and somebody who knows what they're doing, Bree Sedano, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. (laughs) Yes, we're happy to have you. So, uh, and so is Chewbacca. Oh, he's here. He's here. He's actually in my office. Financial advice. Yeah, he's so. Anyway, I'm sure. I'm sorry that you're going to have to put up with Dean and myself (laughs) on this show, Bree. I. Um, I'm still having like a really fantastic visual of the fog room and the, the horse riding. <laughs> right? Yeah. And he did yeah. he mention he's wearing a toga while he does that? Oh, well, that was that didn't match my mental picture. And my <laughs> mental picture is just like underpants, like He-Man <laughs> underpants. Yeah. But, but it's yeah. fine. A toga is also so fine. weird. You had the exact same vision as me. <laughs> <laughs> she had the exact same vision of your present reality. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So, um, so let's uh, let's get to know you a little bit, Bree. So, you are one of the people who help other people understand about money. You know how to save more, how to understand their financial habits, and all these different things. That I think, on the surface, a lot of people sort of do what I call ostrich, and they just stick their head in the sand, and they're like, "All right, I don't need to worry about that." And then all of a sudden, something bad happens and smacks them in the head, and they're like, "Oh shit, I should have worried about it." Yeah, that's a pretty common approach to managing money, actually. There's is it effective? Is that the most effective approach? Oh, um, no. No, hard no there. <laughs> but it's most common. It's a very common approach. Okay, so we're going to talk about what's a more effective approach. But before we do, like, why did this become a passion for you? How did you get started helping people with this situation? I got knocked up when I was in college. I was hanging out. I mean, Mike Sedano is my husband. I love him um, tremendously. But we just we ended up having a baby when... I was 21 and and so I was a married homeowner, wife, mom, 
altogether by the time I was 23. And when we were first together, I wasn't even finished with school. My husband was an EMT um, and we just didn't really make that much money. And so managing money was incredibly important because if we messed it up, like it was bad news bears. So I found that the stuff that I was reading, like I was like, all right, well, I need to be good at this. So let's try a budget. And let's try these things. And I was like, well, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't this stuff work? Like, where where am I going awry? And so I started playing with the ways to manage money in my own life. Um, and I, I ended up doing pretty well. I mean, it's it's a testament to that, that I was a homeowner by the time I was in my early 20s. Then I worked in the nonprofit sector where I did not make very much money, but I loved it. Like, for so long, I was a teen director. I was reading Twilight to preteen girls, like, and getting paid for it. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Um, but I didn't make any money. And so I taught myself how to trade stock options. And that's how I supplemented my income to be able to like live my life. And then I started to- as, as an aside, can I interrupt? Is there any possibility at some point you can read Twilight to Dean? Cause he's sort of like a preteen girl. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Out. Yeah. If, um, can I pet the horse? Of sure. course. Okay. Yeah. Deal. Done. <laughs> okay. All right. Keep keep going. I just he he messaged me on the side and he's like, "Do you think she'd ever read Twilight?" So glad to me you asked. I'm so glad you asked. Yeah. I no. I, it was on your heart, Dean. Yeah, and we can watch, we can watch the movie. There's also a movie. We can we can do all the Twilight things. It will be fun. Oh my god! <laughs> can we just cancel the podcast now and we just do this? This is all right. That's a wrap, everybody. We got to yeah, go. I Dean needs to go read Twilight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after I taught myself how to trade stock options, I started to really just like hate my life a little bit. I hated going to work. I hated all of it. And so one day I was whining to my mother. I was like, mom, this job, I don't know what's going to happen here. And she's like, well, you taught yourself how to trade stock options. Why don't you go past the, like, take your series seven and be a financial advisor. And I was like, oh, well, that's a good idea. And so that's what I did. And I found that once I got into practice, people were not coming to see me saying, Bree, please, I have so much extra money. Help me diversify my portfolio. Help me choose the best mutual funds to achieve my goals. They were like, Brie, I make a lot of money and I'm still paying on my student loans and my kids are about to go to college. And why do I have credit card debt? <laughs> what is happening here? And so I just, so I love doing problem solving. Like it's my favorite and like makes my nerdy little heart beat faster. <laughs> so, so the be- your beginning of your story, obviously you guys were needing to manage your money because it was so tight, right? You know, then you started making money and you started making progress and things like that. But I think there's this pattern that happens with people, even when they start making more money, they still kind of seem strapped. Like what, what is the root cause of that? So a lot of times, so there's a couple different things. So some of it's just financial comfort zone. So if you have a financial comfort zone where your expenses match your income, making more money will just increase your expenses and then and then they'll match again and then you'll be back to where your comfort zone is. And so I say comfort zone just like the area that you're used to it. You you can have a comfort especially a financial comfort zone that sucks, but that's your go-to place. Like some people will pay off their credit cards and then 3 months later they're right back to where they started or will put money in savings and then buy themselves like find emergencies to spend the money. You know, like emergency. Oh, I had an emergency dress to buy. I'm like, what? You had an emergency dress? Elaborate. And you're like, none of this makes any sense. But but it's just comfort zone. That's really what it comes down to. So how do you change? How do you change that? How do you get out of that comfort zone if it mm. you know you're kind of stuck there? 
So a lot of the work I do with my clients, you have to really start with some self-awareness. So one of the first things that we do is we kind of question the beliefs that we grew up believing because most of us didn't grow up listening to parents who had a who were wealthy and also had like a healthy relationship with their finances. Most pe- people have a scarcity mentality and that kind of gets drilled drilled into us at a very young age and then we we like that's just our normal and so then those patterns perpetuate themselves in our current lives. So you have to take a look at those and then you can decide whether or not some of these ideas serve you and then you can like rework some of the thought processes around this stuff and start to to change your thinking so that way you can change your behaviors. So can you give us an example of like one of those exercises that you might take somebody through to be able to start them on that journey? Sure. Um, all right. So last night I had a group of clients and one of the things that we did was we talked about, so basically the the programming that comes from verbal, so the things that you heard talked about, the things that you like heard going on in your house, the things that you saw your family or culture doing, and then and then there's specific incidences. And these are things that are that become part of like your personal identity, your personal story around money. And so this stuff usually doesn't happen early in childhood. It usually happens like kind of starting with your own, like your first job or whatever. And so we went through and we looked at these things. And so you kind of break it up into areas like, well, what did you see and hear about earning money? Um, you know, most people believe that earning money is hard and that you have to work hard to make money and that you have to sacrifice time with your family to make money. None of those things are necessarily completely true. They can be true for you, but they don't, they're not always true. They're not universally true. Like there's might be your experience, but somebody else is totally different. Yeah. But the beliefs that we have end up filtering down into like, into creating the reality that we have. So it's, you know, it's where you, how you feel about earning money, how you feel about spending money, how you feel about investing money, how you feel about giving, receiving, savings, debt, rich people, poor people. Like there's a lot of people that have some real harsh opinions about wealthy people, which makes it really hard to be wealthy if somehow you're like, well, now I'm a capitalist pig, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. So it comes up the works a little bit. So changing, changing mindsets and changing habits and things like that, you know, takes takes time and it takes focus. What, you know, how long does it usually take you when you're working with somebody to go from that place that you're talking about where they're in a comfort zone, but it's not someplace that they want to stay to a place where they actually develop better habits and they start feeling better about things, but they also start manifesting better results externally. So I usually work with clients for six months. But one of the things that I do is we start with a practical approach because when your money is super tight, the last thing that's helpful is some freaking crazy lady talking about changing the way that you're thinking. <laughs> you're like, no, no, I need to know what to do with this actual money problem that is bothering me. Yeah, totally. Um, so that's usually where we start. So we'll start with the practical side. And then once those problems ease up, then we can start to look at the, the mental piece of it, the mindset piece. Um, because if you just change the way that you manage your cash flow and you never change the underlying habits, the problems come back. Yeah, t- completely. So, um, so over those six months and, um, you know, I, I admit, know we said this before, but you're working with people who are not making a lot of money, but you're also working with people who are making a lot of money, but they need to improve those habits. Is that right? Most of my clients are making pretty good money. Like I have a few that are on the lower end. Like I have a few that are way under earning for their capacity, and that's the work that we're working on. But most of my clients are making a minimum of like seventy five thousand dollars a year. 
Okay, so it's not like they're not just you know um, income level like scraping by. So they're doing better than uh, you know most people. Then what's the what's the like what's the place that you start where they're you know they're at break even? The amount of money that comes in is the amount of money that goes out. Like, what's the first thing that you teach them to do? And so usually we switch the way that they manage their cash flow. Um, so I have found working with clients that budgets don't actually work in real life. Like they work on paper, but when you're actually at Target, it's very difficult to remember how much money was in the budget, how much you spent, if you're married, how much your spouse spent, and how much money is left. So um, I do this thing where I talk to clients about the invisible system is like what I call it. And it's just the method. It's the method that I taught myself when I was in my 20s and, you know, and broke and how to manage the money. So that way, because one time my husband like, <laughs> this is like a silly story, but he, he overdrafted our account like 10 times over a weekend on literally 10 different coffee purchases, <laughs> 10 different $2 purchases. And it was a disaster for me. It was like so disastrous. And like, this is the stuff that my clients are coming to see me with sometimes it's like, oh, you just make one mistake. And then all of a sudden there's a disaster. And so that's one of the the first things that we start with is just switching the way that they manage their cash flow. Also, I usually see that clients have this one big bank account that's where the bills come out of, where the spending comes out of, where they're trying to save money. And it's just a total clusterfuck in there. Like you're like, what is this? This, this, this is not effective. So then we separate out the way that they manage their money. Um, and that's usually the first thing that we'll do. Like you mean you like have them create like numerous accounts like that are allocated for different things or what is that what you're talking about or something else? Five accounts. Yes. Five accounts. Okay, cool. Like, like give us the tips. Bree, mm, okay. you want the tips, okay? Just the tips? All right. Yes. So <laughs> the so I like to to kind of manage the money like like imagine like an irrigation system, like an and like we're engineering this. So the first place that you want your money to go is money that you're going to keep to invest. It could be your retirement account. If you're a W two person, it could be like your workplace plan. If you're an investor or um, a business owner, it could still be a retirement plan. It could be you're planning on buying real estate. You're planning on buying something for your business. But this money is going to work for you. That's the main point of it. It's not your emergency money. It's not your rainy day fund. It's literally the money that's going to work for you. And you want to do that first because if you don't do it first, it never gets done. Like so, you you know, rule of thumb is ten percent, but everybody has to do their own calculation. Then I like to move the money to the bills account, and so one of the things that I teach clients to do is to systemize that. So that way, you're not having extra money half of the month, but eating ramen noodles the other half of the month. So we we pay our bills systematically. Then I have a third account that I like to recommend called working capital. And this is not exactly an emergency fund. It's like have less emergencies fund. And so this is where we put the money that's going to be used for things that are irregular expenses, like stuff that you need, you just don't need this month. So, you know, my car is a piece of crap and it's going to need to be replaced in the next year or two. Or, hey, I think my water heater is going to go. Or I'm going to have car taxes to pay, that sort of thing. Um, And then the money should go to important things. And that's where you want to be saving for your vacations, your house repairs, maybe your kid's college, like whatever is most important to you. If it's Dean, maybe like horse food or horse accessories, (laughs) um, you know, things like that. And then the last place you want the money to go is for your pocket money, like money that you're going to, you know, spend on a regular basis. Because if you have a budget that has no, no room, no wiggle room, no room for an impulse purchase then it all ends up going to crap anyways because people are just not completely perfect. 
So you have to have that that buffer in there to be able to spend some money like autonomously without without it messing everything else up. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. So so we in, incidentally just to throw this in like this is this is awesome hearing from this on a like on a on a personal perspective because we've just recently and literally only just recently um not not exactly like you've just laid out but done a similar sort of thing with our business banking um and we have like all these different online accounts now and we we have like one main account where like all payments come into and then they get like do we do it like once a month i think i don't think we fully decided yet is that new we will like shift the funds around into various things for various purposes oh yeah i do that in my business account too i have a holding tank just like what you said and then i usually save money for profit right. so that way i don't because otherwise we spend it all like you have to allocate that and then i save money for the taxes and then the money gets split between my operating expense for all my um, you know, like my hard and soft costs and then I payroll and then I take whatever, and then I have some that I take home too. Yeah, definitely. And and like, just to, just to share like why, I don't know if you, you kind of share this, but like the reason that we did that is I, I've identified in myself and this, this may come back to more like what you're talking about. Like I've identified certain habits with myself that when you see, like, let's say if we have a really good month and just, you see all the money in the business account is like, Oh, let's like we we tend to do stupid things <laughs> that, that that we don't necessarily need, and it's like, oh yeah, let's let's decorate the video studio in the office, and or let's or a like, new or a new horse saddle, right? Exactly. Yeah. Now I'm now I'm riding really good, and uh, <laughs> like we do all these things that aren't necessary, and it seems like maybe maybe it is like you were saying earlier on. Maybe there's like a, a mental thing there that's like I've got my own barrier of where I like the funds to be, whether it's aware or non-aware and I'm like always cutting it down and so like my approach of trying to help myself out of that was like well let's not just have one account let's let's shift it all out and and one of the things I actually want to do is right now I think the problem with my process is I can actually just log in and see all the accounts so I don't know if it's actually helped (laughs) um so I I'm, I'm gonna try and go a step beyond there I think and move it somewhere else well, like if you want some money to be set aside, that that works too. I have like if I leave cash in my like household savings account, that that money goes places. But if I put it into my investment account, I can never like then it can just grow because mentally it's it's in, it's in a mentally different category yeah. of whether or not I can use it. Like if it's in my household savings account, of course I can use it. I will use it for whatever I find to be emergent. Right. But if it's in my investment account, then I then it's then it's a whole different mental process. Hmm. So that could work. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your, what's your take on, uh, you know, using credit cards and then paying them off? Like, do people get themselves into trouble with credit cards? And like, I mean, obviously the answer to that is yes, but (laughs) how, how do you, you know, I like, I mean, I pay mine off every month, but how do you, what do you recommend to people who like want to get like some of the perks and the points and like all those things with credit cards, but don't want to get reckless and crazy? Okay, so from a so from a practical standpoint, to know if you're even ready to to talk about that is you should probably have like at least two months of income saved, and the reason for that is because those plans only really work if you really have the money to pay off the credit cards. So if you don't have any money saved, it's really just a matter of time before something gets screwed up, and now you're carrying a little bit of a balance. And once you're carrying a little bit of a balance, it's pretty much all. It can go downhill really fast. So if you're very disciplined and you have the money available, then it's a really cool way to rack up 
points and rewards and to be able to kind of take advantage of the fees that the credit card companies are charging the businesses, right? So it's, it's altogether not a terrible idea. I'm honestly not the hugest fan of it because I see that it's a major habit manipulation and it's hard to break once you started doing it. So when I, when I make a purchase with cash, I'm going to give the paper money to the clerk. I'm going to get the item that we've made a trade. When we do that with a credit card, I'm going to give my plastic credit card, I'm going to get my good, and then I'm going to get my card back. So on a subconscious level, the trade gets made differently. So most people can spend more money on credit cards because it just doesn't register as like an actual trade even though it was. So you just have to be careful with it. You just have to really pay attention to what's going on. And and I mean, it's, it's a habit man- manipulation. So you just have to be careful with it. It's not mm-hmm. altogether a, a bad idea, but it's not my favorite idea either. Right. What about the people who have accumulated that credit card debt and now they want to get on a better footing? Like what's the best way for them to go about dealing with that? So the first thing that I like to do is assess the cash flow situation. People either have negative cash flow, tight cash flow, or positive cash flow. So if you pay off your debt and you still have positive cash flow, um, you're in a way different spot than if your cash flow is very tight, like if you like if you're zero in it out. So that's the first thing that I like to do. And then from there we can pick a strategy. So I I actually have a training on this that's in my invisible system course, but it's seven strategies to get rid of your credit card debt. And so it's like the snowball, the snowball with the credit card shuffle, which is like the 0% balance transfer, personal loans, 401k loans, credit consolidation services, bankruptcy, and then there's one called a holding pattern where you just kind of make the minimum payments and that that you'd use if you were like waiting for something to change. Like, all right, well, I'm expecting this job to come through next month. So let me just pay the minimums and, you know, or, or something's going to change or I'm going to move or whatever. So you have to pick the the strategy that's going to be best. Sometimes, sometimes if the cash flow is tight, you have to do like a personal loan or 401k loan because there's not enough money and you're like available for you to be able to work a snowball or work, work one of those other like chip away at it plans. So you have to pick the best strategy. Um, One thing, though, that I really work with clients on is you have to be able to save money while you're paying off the credit card debt. One of the biggest like problems and misconceptions with money is that you have to be debt free. Like debt, being debt free is just one measure of financial health. That's like saying, well, if you're not perfectly skinny, that that you're not healthy, and that's not necessarily true. So you just have it's so you have to be saving money to be able to pay well while you're paying off the credit card debt. So that way you can stay out of the debt because otherwise it's like two steps forward, one step back. So does that mean that if you're paying it off and you can't save money, you need to pay it off more slowly so that you are saving money while you pay it off? Yeah. And that sounds counterintuitive. You're like, well, then I'll be paying more interest. But the thing is, is it, it actually works. Like people have come see me trying um, the snowball plan, like Dave Ramsey's plan for years. and they're like, well, the $1,000 that I saved just is never enough. Like we use it and then we're back and forth and back and forth. So you have to be in a position where your working capital account is really robust. So that way you stop having emergencies that cause you to use your credit card. Mm-hmm. So that way you can actually like make the progress. So, so it seems like it'd be faster to just focus fully on the debt, but what you focus on expands, you know? So you got to... So I like to focus, put the plan in place, put the, like set it and forget it with the debt and then redirect our time and attention toward what we do want instead. Right. So, so a lot of, a lot of our listeners are business owners and entrepreneurs. Are there any 
sort of special considerations and things that you've run into when working with entrepreneurs who run their own business and then they've obviously got the business finances and their personal finances and everything like are there additional complexities that you feel are like typical for people like that oh my word there's so many extra complexities yeah the main thing is to keep it clean it's very easy to muddy the water between your business and your personal expenses like oh well i know i have money in my business account so i'll just put the groceries here and then that's blah 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 like none of it matters so you one of the best way things to do is to get a good bookkeeper who's going to help you put in place systems to manage those and then keep it clean like pay yourself adequately if you you know assuming that that's possible in your business at this point in time but pay yourself adequately so that way you're not dipping into your business funds for your personal stuff because when I have a business owner that comes in here, we have to spend a tremendous amount of time just looking at the flow of what actually gets bought with what money and then untangling all of it. And it's it's just messy and it doesn't need to be. Totally. I think that separation is so important. And I think the faster you can get to that separation, the better off you're going to be. Even mm-hmm. if like there's not a ton of money, it's still important to separate it. Yeah. Oh, even – yeah. No matter where you're starting from because there's always going to be more – you know what I mean? Like we don't go in business to only make a tiny bit for a little bit for, you know, we start where we start, but hopefully there's going to be more. And so you want to have the good systems in place. Yeah, no, completely. Dean, what do you think about, uh, you know, the horse ranch that you've been playing? <laughs> it's, all, it's all going on credit cards and loans. <laughs> <laughs> he just can't stop spending money on these horses. I just, I just can't help it. We, we always need more. Yeah. yeah. I think all the horses is probably a great financial decision for you, Dean. Right. That's that's one that's what I've been telling myself. There's uh there's a big <laughs> vote in the right direction for you, Dean. See, I was, I'm liking where this is. I know. I was wondering whether that was a good move, but now we've have it on good authority that it is. Yeah. There we go. Sure. Financially verified. <laughs> that's perfect. So um so Brie, you've mentioned uh, you know, a couple times that you you know, you have a course or you work with people. Like how does how does all that work? Um, so my website is sheep to shark and you can, there's, I have a free training on the invisible system that somebody could watch if they were considering it. And then in there, that's where the application to, to like work with me is also. So you can apply for a call there if that's what you want to do. Awesome. So that was uh sheep to shark.com or sheep. What was it? One more time. Yeah. Sheep to shark.com. Like the animals, sheep and shark. Ah, okay. So you're taking people from being a sheep to being a shark. That's the goal. That's where That's we try. Right. I don't hear anything about horses in there, though. Right. Well, horses and sheep hang out together, I think. Okay. Yeah, sometimes. I don't know. We can. In farm situations. I'm actually, I made that up. I don't even know if that's true. I don't really ever see sheep <laughs> or horses really, in my regular life. Like, I was buying into everything Bree was saying up until this point, Dean. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I've been given financially sound advice about my horse farm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. But I do know it's very cool when you roll into the studio and now that you're getting the fog machine on your credit card, that'll be amazing. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm down with this. I like yeah, it. Yeah, if you're going to use your credit card for business expenses, it should probably most certainly be a fog machine there. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel it'd be the best business expense I've ever had. Yeah. So. I, think, uh, I think Dean's already enrolled in your program because you're telling him everything that he wants to hear. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially for a podcast. I mean, you definitely need smoke machines for that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pure visuals for an audio show. I like it. Completely. Nothing over the top or weird about that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I just, I wanted to share one last thing. You know, I think there's, there's like all this like secrecy about, oh man, like I have money problems or like this or that or the other thing. And, and I'm sure not everybody has had money problems, but I think almost everybody has at some point in their life or another. I know, you know, when I was starting out, we were like flat broke and I was watching like every penny, like a hawk and all these other things. And I don't think there's any, uh, I don't think there's any shame in admitting that you need like somebody to show you what to do. Cause like, if you don't get the help, how are you supposed to know what to do? Right. It's not, there's no like loss of status because you're seeking out help. And so I really think it's pretty cool what you do, Brie, um, because yeah. a lot of, a lot of people do need this kind of help. And, you know, I, for whatever it's worth, you know, if anybody's listening, like, don't be embarrassed about it. It's like, it's normal. Like a lot of people need this. Oh, it's like, it's 78% of Americans are reporting living paycheck to paycheck and 69% could not find a thousand dollars in an emergency. Like the, the, that's actually a huge part of why I do this because the the conventional wisdom is just bullshit. It doesn't make any sense. It's not helpful. Like budgets work against all of the things that make a human tick. Like you're you're up against your mental accounting. Your mental accounting is flawed. Your budget blind at the register. Like just it feels restrictive and crappy to manage money that way. Like it feels bad to put such firm restrictions on it. And there's a handful of people that can use budgets and will like probably send you a note and they're like, people just need to have willpower and live below their means. But for the, for most of us, that isn't the way to do it. It just doesn't work. And so it's almost everybody that you know has money problems. It's even like, and some of it just is ends up being like a scarcity mentality, this idea that there's not enough. And even people making good money, if they're still operating in scarcity, they're still not doing what they could or they should be like distracts us. It keeps us like Busy, broken, exhausted is what I call it, you know? Yeah. Awesome. So all that to say, reach out to Brie if you need some help with this. Uh, She knows what she's doing. Sheeptoshark.com. Brie, thank you so much for being here. Um, I appreciate appreciate your advice for Dean on the horses. Dean, is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, I just appreciate the the horse advice as always. (laughs) You know, it's made a real difference to me. And uh, and the horses as well. Of course, they've got a better home. Yes. My mental picture of Dean is just so much better now that there's multiple horses. Well, he's happier, which yeah, is really what we're going for. Smoke machine, underpants, and now so many horses, like a herd of horses. The yeah, mental picture is yeah. really good that I have. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, well, thank you for being here, Bree. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in for another episode. We appreciate you guys. Make sure you tell your friends about us if you're enjoying the show, and we will talk with you guys next time. Later, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.